0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Lanch podcast. This week, we are starting the third book in the Mistborn trilogy, The Hero of Ages. And we read the prologue and chapters one, two, and 3 wherein we really hit the ground running with this one. And we get uh, some various perspectives. We've, we, we see Marsh again, we see Soon again, we see Ellen again. Things are happening, and I think everyone will be very pleased that uh, none of it seems to be in Luthadel. So, I'm Data, and with me is... Dak, Joe, and Jamie. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sanderlanch is about to begin.
1: As the towers of steel and stone crumble to dust But comes to ground. You turn to face it down because you burn.
0: So, yeah, and hope everyone enjoys our new song since we're going to be using it for 21 weeks. That one is Take It Back by Miracle of Sound and was, (laughs) I think, uh, if I remember correctly, is written based on uh, Mass Effect 3. There's there's even a reference to a, a Reaper in the clip that we used. Anyway, so... I hope you guys enjoyed I I I really like the way this book starts out just kind of like going. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. What did you guys think of these prologue plus three chapters? So four ish. That prologue was like some heavy duty nightmare fuel. Ooh. Yeah.
2: Just like, oh, that's how they do it. Oh, 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 oh shit. Okay. It explains so much in a very short amount of time. Like, hmm, okay. Wow.
3: It explains Um, a lot. And kind of goes on a similar vein to what we sort of thought already, but made it so much worse.
2: Yep. Yep.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. And then, like, yeah, the opening chapters, and it's like we're starting this book with a bang. There's, like, a lot of action, and I like I really enjoyed that little battle scene. Um, I liked seeing how Elend has really come through as a character. I liked that finally the Inquisitors are back in the action, because I think that was one of the things I definitely missed out of book two was I found the Inquisitors fascinating in book one, and I really missed them, so... Cool to see them back in, and uh, yeah, the conclusion of that fight was fantastic. I should probably right out the gate just com- just comment. I don't know if I cheated or not. I read the blurb on the back of the book as well, which
0: oh, I don't I have no idea what that I, says.
3: Zach, you don't read anything. You're read, not Read you. uh, read
4: the blurb out loud so that we all know what the blurb said.
0: Okay, so it
2: goes. Who is the hero of ages? For reference, I don't think there's anything on here that really spoils anything. That we didn't learn in these chapters, except maybe one thing, but... To end the final Empire and restore freedom, Vin killed the Lord Ruler. But as a result, the Deepness, the lethal form of the ubiquitous mists, is back along with increasingly heavy ash falls and ever more powerful earthquakes. Humanity appears to be doomed. Having escaped death only by becoming a Mistborn himself, Emperor Elend Venture hopes to find clues left behind by the Lord Ruler that will allow him to save the world. Meanwhile, Vin is consumed with guilt at accidentally releasing the mystic force known as Ruin from the Well. So, I mean, from the prologue, we know that Ruin is the Force, so that's, yeah. that's no spoiler yeah. there.
0: Yeah, I think most of that is, I mean, the thing about the Lord Ruler leaving clues, that uh, I don't think that's covered here, but other than that, I think that that's mostly stuff we knew. Yeah. Yeah. Not so bad. Everybody knows now. Yeah, now we're all on the same footing. <laughs> I wonder if authors get, like, a say in what goes on the back of the book. I have no clue. <sighs> yeah,
4: I wonder if it's, like, theatrical trailers where,
0: like, That's what, I, that's what the the I was thinking. Yeah.
4: have no say in what gets put in the trailer.
0: They just, like, spoil yeah. the big twist right in the middle of the trailer because somebody thought it was cool, and the director is like, hands on his head, like, oh, why? <sighs> yeah, that that would be bad. I don't know. You know That's an interesting question that I'm not going to have to ask an author someday. Be like, do you get to pick what goes on the back? <laughs> Although, now that I think about it, on the back of his, uh, of his Stormlight books, I think, is clearly something that he wrote specifically for the back of them. Because it's, if, if I'm remembering correctly, it's, like, in the voice of a character that... Yeah. Uh, I don't even know if we've met in the books at this point, so maybe they do get oh. a say.
4: Maybe after he saw the blurbs on these books, he was like, <laughs> I'm writing my own blurbs.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but, but this book, this one is the anniversary edition of the book, so.
4: Oh, well, then they, I guess they just expect you to know all that already. Mm.
0: Yeah, possibly. They're just trying to rope you in, get you interested, even though I don't know why you'd start with the third book, even if you did get that summer. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like,
2: right, right below it, it says, you know, the conclusion of the Mistborn trilogy fulfills all the promise of the first two books in a finale unmatched for originality and audacity. Like, it's a whole mm. lot of big words there.
0: Indeed. Okay, sorry. Everyone, everyone else, what sorry, did you I, think? I sorry, like, I just
4: wrote over Joe right there. Are, 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 are no, we fine.
0: original and audacious yet? What does that mean? He, he said that the – he just read the thing about originality and audacity. In our podcast? No, I mean, are the chapters that we read <laughs> oh. original and audacious I was about yet? to
4: say, we quote stuff all the time. I don't feel like that's very original.
0: <laughs> but,
4: uh, yeah, they're all right.
3: <laughs>
4: that's, well, this my turn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I really like these chapters. They, They did something that was so much better than what the last book did. It gave me lots of delicious knowledge nuggets. Okay. Uh, maybe it's because I'm taking notes on this book, and I haven't for the last two books. I've just been keeping it all in my noodle. But I made so many notes on these first – the prologue in the first three chapters. There's just so much – there's so many tiny, delicious bits of information in this first part of the book, and you know that is satisfying, right? I feel like I'm being fed, right? I, I feel like I'm getting the, the some of the answers, some of the story, and it's all happening really quick in this first book. Again, if I had had to wait – from, if I had read the second book when it first came out and then I had to wait to read this one, I'd be really annoyed because of how much deliciousness we got as far as knowledge goes in these first chapters.
0: There He really does kind of knowledge dump a couple times here, but not in like a way that feels too expositional I think, which is no, nice. No, it,
2: like, it's like the sort of things like you mentioned like, yeah, he did do that. I didn't notice just because I was enjoying it.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, and I hate, and I, I, don't, I don't want to spoil anything, but There's several times where in this book where the epigraphs especially are kind of like, hey, here's information that there's no other way for the author to give to you, so you're gonna get in this epigraph.
4: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, I mean by the second epigraph, I know who the hero of ages is. So, like, or at least according to the epigraph writer. Okay. So.
3: Yeah, I agree. It was really good to jump straight into it. We didn't have to have a lot of talk and. Trying to figure out where everyone's up to. It was just straight into it from the end of the last book, which was really nice. Don't know how much time has passed. Enough time for Ellen to practice some alamancy, but it doesn't seem like too much time has passed, which is good. I think we had quite a jump between books last time around, so yeah, that was that was pretty good. That first uh, the prologue with Marsh is uh, I appreciate a lot of answers and things in there, but it was quite um, nasty. Um, <laughs> and I really enjoyed that we got a little bit about Tensoon as well and where he is and, or, yeah, whatever, how he's being imprisoned. Nice to know that he's sort of coming back as a character and we still get to focus on, on him a little bit. So, yeah, it was it was good. Lots of information.
0: Yeah, we actually get, and I, I, I thought that Dak would be pleased because we get what he was asking for last time. He's like, I want to see a Chandra without, like, being a body that's or impersonating someone. Oh, yeah. Like, hey, look, Maybe in Chapter that 2. That so
1: happy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and yeah rope-a-dope dope <laughs>
4: he's very descriptive too with like the way he talks about like it being muscle and stuff which is like he yeah. gave me a really yeah. good idea of like okay i i kind of understand what that looks like it was a really visceral description
1: mm-hmm.
3: muscle that can like only the... taste like taste is it pretty much it's only sense What's
0: yeah it's it that way touch. so it's like a it big tongue. touch
3: yeah <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> yeah. that doesn't (laughs) make (laughs) mean no
1: well he said he could smell
4: the acid or was he tasting the acid on the air i think think he was was tasting tasting it on the the air like a snake and he can hear too i think even if he doesn't have ears he just can't see it seems like
2: well it it seemed like he was hearing by feeling the vibrations he's like yeah i
4: guess um, yeah it's like a snake
0: and to answer your question, Jamie, I believe based on Marsh saying here that he's been an Inquisitor for three years, that it's been about a year since the last book, maybe a little bit less.
3: Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah. I think it's about the same as between the first and the second book, actually, like it was like okay. a year or yeah, between I a year so. and two years, something, something that, that in that area rather.
2: Well, it started as, like, yeah, it was about a year ago the Empire toppled, and then by the end of the book it was like, yeah, it's been
0: two years since the Empire mm-hmm.
2: toppled. It's was like,
3: yeah. this,
0: wow, oh, this yeah, book really stretched out that far. It stretched out a while, because they were, like, under siege for months. That's a good point, yeah. They yep.
3: had so much politicking. So, <laughs> think about how often Parliament actually sits.
0: Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess let's get into these. So we start off with Marsh in the prologue, and he is struggling to kill himself. Because he has no control over his own body,
3: which this just sounds like an awful way to live.
0: Y- yeah, yeah. I mean, we theorized at the end of the last book. It's like you know, maybe he's got that voice speaking to him, and it's stop. It's like influencing him to do things, but it's like, oh no, no, no. It's controlling him completely, and he has no choice at all.
4: So I, I, and this is like the the first nugget, right? Because he they mention ruin in this this part. Yeah. So I think my theory last time was correct. It's like he maybe the voice was was Ruin and then he's taken over by Ruin when Ruin leaves
0: the well Oh, because Ruin's out now. Yeah. OK, that would that makes sense.
4: Yeah, that's so I think he's being directly controlled now, whereas before it was just influence. And I'm guessing and, and then I'm just guessing that my theory about more. Well, it was several of our theories. I think that more spikes equals more like, control over that person. So the Inquisitors were probably being controlled and influenced a lot more than Zane. Mm. And now, like, Ruin's actually just taken over Marsh completely. Yeah. Or maybe just the fact that he was free means he has more control over anyone with the spikes
2: in them. I don't know. Well, that would actually explain, because my, my question I was about to ask was, um, for, for something that was trapped in in the well... Ruin seems to have a, had a lot of control over, you know, the outside world, considering it was able to talk to people um, who had the spikes mm-hmm. and it was able to amend the prophecies and whatnot. Yep. But and so it's like, well, why is it why does it even need to be freed at all? It seems like he's doing just fine on his own. And then but I guess it, what you're saying makes sense now that he's out. If He has more control. That would probably go a long way to explaining stuff like that. So,
0: yeah. And well, and we know that things are, are getting worse since ruin was out and even says on the, the, what you read on the back of the book, it's like more ash yeah, true. and earthquakes and things are now happening. So it's clear that his influence is increasing, assuming that's him, that uh, he can do more now that he's out or it. Yeah. Whatever. The but, other
2: big question, of course, is if ruin is an actual force, like a sentient force, like we, we talked a lot about what 10 soon said in the last book about ruin and preservation, Does that mean preservation is also, like, an external force? I'm thinking, like, um, Rava and Vatu from Legend of Korra just, like, going to juke out at some point.
0: Mm. We're going to get Kaiju Vin, is what you're saying, and, like, Kaiju Marsh.
4: (laughs) 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 Yeah, it it made me think, honestly, of... I almost wonder if their relationship between these two forces is, like, uh, the relationship between the two characters in Lost,
0: um, oh, Jacob and uh, and Ben? No, not not Ben. Uh, not Ben. Uh, oh. Whatever
4: the other guy's name is, I always Jacob. want to say Esau, but that's definitely not it. <laughs>
0: Jacob and John Locke, but not really John, John Locke, because Locke. he like takes his body, but it wasn't really him. Yeah, no, I don't remember. That, that by then the show got was getting really weird, so because that, that was like that's like right at the end when you finally meet both of them. Mm-hmm. One hey. guy was from the was in the Big Lebowski.
3: I chose Can to black out the end of that show.
0: yeah i'm just not don't need to remember that (laughs) but uh so there's a there's a bunch of uh of these inquisitors around and they've got a prisoner who is strapped down and he's like please what do you want i can't i can't tell you anymore and it's there's a bit in here where it's like the prisoner wasn't gagged of course that would have stopped the screams
3: can't have that
1: oh
0: yeah so it's not it's not just controlling Marsh's actions. It's like controlling his feelings where he's like, oh, I love to hear them scream. It's so weird. It's
2: like the inquisitors are always good. They got that slasher smile thing going on. So they right. they they just love the gore and the horror. And the. I'm, I'm sure they'd be fans of the Saw movies.
0: Yep. Sure. So he's tied on top of the table on top of another person. And Marsh has a brass spike, which he rams through the guy's heart and into the person below him.
1: Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Which I think this is the first time we've confirmed that all the spikes in the Inquisitors are the
0: different metals, yeah? Or at least that's the implication I got out of this. Uh, let's see.
3: Does it say They're that? steel spikes through their eyes, aren't they?
0: Yeah, I think I think they mentioned that they're steel through the eyes. That's, that sounds familiar. And we know that at <sighs> okay. least this one is brass, because that's what yeah. he says. So it yeah. does sound like they are the different metals. Or at least some of them. Some of them, yeah. Yeah, if
2: t- if if, st- if both the ones in the eyes are steel, then it's like okay, all right. How many
1: were there? Where are they all located? Blah, blah, blah.
2: Presumably, I mean, presumably, there's no aluminium spike through there, that would just be a waste of time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but
2: but like yeah, I presume this is how they be- get their alimantic powers, just because they basically have it constantly in them.
0: Mm. And he he gives us inf- information because he's thinking about it, and he's like, it is a. Uh, l- l- Laying across the land, but something kept it from affecting the world too much by itself. An opposition that lay over the land like a shield. And then it says, it was not yet complete. It needed something more. Something hidden.
4: Something secret. Something
0: safe. (laughs) Is it? (laughs) And then we find out that it calls itself Ruin. And uh, then we get the name of uh, what they are doing. It is called Hemallergy. And it says Hemallergy was a messy art.
4: Yep. Which sounds like – I'm just going off my etymology here. Hema sounds like blood, so it's like yep. blood yep. blood forging or something.
0: Bloodcroft. So we have the names of the three metallic arts of Skadriel. Together they're called the metallic arts. And I told you guys before that the way people talk about it, they're like, the first book is kind of alamancy based or focused, and the second book focuses more on ferrochemy. And I wondered if anyone would put together that it's like, oh, well, then the third book would have to focus on – a different metallic art and that is uh, hemallergy.
2: Nope, that flew straight over my head.
4: Yeah, well you said that ages ago, I don't remember. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: And then we move into part one, the legacy of the survivor. And the epigraph is, I am unfortunately the hero of ages. So we are going to get a hero of ages, it sounds like. Unless this is like another uh, Elendi like written thing.
3: Or at least someone who thinks they're the hero of ages.
0: deluding themselves yeah you yeah, know that could be too i hadn't thought of that delusions and we get a viewpoint from a guy named fatran who uh brandon says in the annotations he thought about making a main viewpoint character in this book because he felt like you know starting off with this guy it would make sense for him to be a main viewpoint character but he felt like he needed someone to show ellen showing up and then he worked on it for a while and he realized that this guy didn't need to be a main viewpoint character. He was kind of trying to force it for this one reason, and so in the end, he was just like, "Fine, I'll just have this one-off chapter from this other guy." So I hope and nobody was. That's what was... I was thinking.
3: I was yeah. like, "Oh, oh, yep, someone's going to make a grand entrance. We've got another viewpoint." <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, anytime you have the random viewpoint, like car or, or factory, you be like, "Oh, oh, there's going to be an entrance." Yep.
2: Well, nice. it was the same with the uh, with Wellen. He's like standing on the walls, and all of a sudden, oh, Ben
0: and true. Zane popped up, and it's like, "Okay." Yep.
4: I thought this was going to be our new hero. I was like, this is it. Fatron's our new guy. Forget all those <laughs> other people in the last book.
0: Yeah, we're just going to focus on this guy the whole book. That'll be great. He's going to be a misborn also somehow. But we meet this guy who has been trying to protect his little city, him and his brother Druffle. And uh, I,
2: I, I get fantasy names, uh, sometimes a bit different. I get that. And <laughs> for the most part, I, I just suspend. I just just spend like, yeah, all right, no worries. That's his name. Druffle for some reason that broke me. I have no idea why, but yeah. that name is just like Druffle. I think of duffle yeah. every time, like a duffle bag. Or,
4: or he, they might as well just call him Snuffles. You know what I'm saying?
0: Like, does make any sense?
2: <laughs> well, I, just, I, I, I just started calling him Mushroom because I was thinking
0: of truffles. Sure. <laughs> he does. He doesn't have that much of a presence in the chapter, so you can call him whatever you want, probably. But Mushroom, it is. Yeah. They're uh. Fatrin is disheartened because his brother used to be so cheery, and now they're all just like, oh, we're going to die. The sun's yeah. not out long enough to um, – the mist didn't leave until noon today, so the sun's not out long enough to help the food grow. And I was okay with the name Fatrin until you realize that the short version is Fats, and everyone yells
3: Fats at him.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and then during, during the fight, Ellen refers to him as the beefy
0: leader. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I didn't even put that So cover. he
0: lives up to his name. Uh, so they they know Coloss are coming, and they're not happy about it, because they know that there's basically nothing they can do. They don't even know how many Coloss there are, but they're like, it's going to be enough to kill us. One is too many. Well, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like Thatron told himself he had a force of 2,000 quote-unquote soldiers, but what he really had was a thousand Ska peasants with swords. Oh, man. But they have managed to keep the town this long, as we find out. They've uh, they've defended themselves and kept things going pretty well. So he should be commended for that, at least. No. <laughs> and then someone's like, they see a lone rider approaching on a horse, wearing a dark hooded cloak, and they're like, "Huh, you think that's a Coloss scout?" It's like, "No, maybe you don't know the Coloss at all." But they don't use scouts, especially not humans. <laughs> yeah, they don't need to. And Druffles just like, hmm. That guy has a horse. We could use one of them. Is that how Druffle sounds to you? Yes, exactly. Well, if they're
4: brothers, then Bats gotta have a similar voice. So like.
0: No, not really. We can use one of them
4: horses. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking I'd take somebody's french fried
0: potatoes but t- home Yeah, I, kn- I knew horse. that was coming. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, as they're talking about trying to rob this stranger of his horse, he shoots up into the air, dropping his cloak. And showing a brilliant white uniform beneath. So I don't know who you guys thought this was, as somebody rides up. If you thought it was Vin or who, but uh, this is Ellen's turn to be a badass.
4: Yeah, I wasn't sure until then, because I didn't think it was Vin, because they didn't mention, they just mentioned it as a normal cloak. They didn't Mm -hmm. make mention of it being a Mistborn cloak. Even yeah. if they didn't know what one looked like, they would know that it wouldn't look like a normal cloak if it was...
0: It looks weird. Yeah.
4: Right. So, yeah, they, so, they would have mentioned I, the tassels. Exactly. So I was like, well, it's not Vin, but then when, you, you know, the white uniform, oh, okay, it's Ellen.
2: Yeah, white uniform was Ellen. It's like, before that, I thought, oh, it could be Breeze, maybe.
0: And a guy pulls a sword on him, and he uses Alamance to yank it out of his hand. He's like, mm, yeah, that's a nice sword. Here you go. <laughs> Elend Elend classic played, Elend. Yeah, he plays this whole thing really... He plays it really hard as if he's here to help. And at some point during the discussion, he makes it seem like he was called for assistance so that the guy in charge can kind of, without losing face, give over control of this city. Yeah.
4: And also, you know, if he can smooth talk his way into just getting them to join him, it's like they'll have more faith in both of the guys. It's like, oh, you called this guy for help and he's doing, you know, he's going to get us to fight against these, you know, they'll they'll feel more confident. So it's a good play on both ends.
0: Fatron's like, wait, who are you? And he's like, my name is Ellen Venture. I'm your emperor. <laughs> Somebody in the uh, in the Discord was talking about, like, a Venture Brothers, like, game or show or something that, with, like, Ellen and Zane as the Venture Brothers. And for the longest sure. time, I was, like, they kept talking, he kept saying Venture Brothers. And I was like, why are we talking about that show? What does that have to do with what was being said before? <laughs> it took me forever to remember, <laughs> oh, right, Ellen is named Venture, and he has a brother, okay, I'm with you now. Yeah, I made that Uh,
4: joke way back in the first book, not knowing he had a brother.
0: (laughs) But yeah, you guys would want a sitcom with Ellen and Zane uh, maybe sharing an apartment, right?
4: Yeah, exactly. It's like, these two, one's from nobility, the other's from the streets. Will they ever get along? (laughs) Adventure Brothers.
0: Special guest, The Talking Dog. Oh yeah, that, that's the breakout character of the show. That's the Steve Urkel of the Venture Brothers. <laughs> it's like I'm going on a date with
4: Vin tonight. No, I'm going on a date with Vin tonight. What? Yeah. Whacky and then butt. a
2: surprise twist. Neither is she's going on patrol with the dog. <laughs>
4: See you guys later. Come on, yeah. Tinsun. Oh. Yeah. She
0: she walks in and they both like walk up with smiles on their face and she gets down and pets the dog and just turns and leaves with the dog. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're writing this whole, this whole thing now. Yeah, gotta... it, it writes itself. Come on, Brandon. <laughs> Contact us. <laughs> oh, gosh. But anyway, back to our emperor. Uh, and he's just – he's acting like it's all business. He's like, okay, yeah, I'm here to help, so I'm going to show you guys how to fight the kolos. Uh We don't have a lot of time, but I'll give you some tips. And he starts explaining how the Colossus work, which I think is half just Brandon being like, I need to remind everybody about how these things work before they show up
4: there were tidbits that i didn't know before like when he explains exactly how to fight them i'm like oh that's that's interesting that makes sense
0: yeah when he's like you know these are things that he's learned in the last year of fighting kolos let's see and so he gets the guy talking and uh it's like hey do you guys have any battle experience and they're like we fought enough to be dangerous have you ever (laughs) fought kolos men who fight kolos don't live and he's just like, oh, if that were true, I'd be dead a dozen times over. So that, that's the part where we learn that Ellen's been fighting a lot this last year. And he says, uh, they're like, wait, wait, so did, did you bring an army to help us? He's like, I brought two, actually, but we don't have time to wait for them. And that's where he puts in. He's like, you wrote and asked for my help, so I've come to give it. Don't you still want it? And Fatron puts together real quick in his head. He knows exactly what this guy's doing. And he also knows that they stand absolutely no chance without him. So he's like, um, I just didn't expect you to come alone. But really, I also suspect that a lot of what we're seeing here from Fatrin's perspective is Ellen, uh messing with his emotions some to make him a little more agreeable. Yeah,
4: I feel like he was probably doing that from the moment he got there. Yeah. Which I, I kind of like that Brandon doesn't kind of spell it out for us. You, you, you know, you have to think about he's now Mistborn, so he's going to be doing diplomacy, but he's also going to be soothing at the same time.
0: Yeah. And I I think you can read from the reactions that everyone has. Part of it may may be that, you know, he's got this noble bearing and he's used to command at this point. So people are running to do what he says. But I think there's probably a decent amount of allomancy going on here.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah, especially the part where Thatcherden was like, oh, he commanded them and they immediately started to do it. Now they're already taking orders from him." It's like, yeah, dude, he's soothing them.
0: (laughs) Uh, And so finally, when they're like more alone, he's like, who are you? And I like, well, who I said I am. He's like, I don't believe you. He's like, but well, you're going to trust me, though? And the guy's like, no, I just don't want to argue with an alamancer. He's like, yeah, okay, fair enough. Look, you have 10,000 Koloss coming, so we're going to need to go ahead and get this going. And he didn't expect 10,000, uh, but, you know, that's what it is. And he says uh, that his name is Fatrin, and Ellen's like, okay, Lord Fatrin. And he's like, I'm not a lord. He's like, well, you, you're one now. You can choose a surname later. Let's do the things. <laughs> the have won things. Yep. And I like how he's still trying to push back. Ellen's like, OK, look, if I'm if I'm going to help you, then you're going to swear fealty to me if we win. And the guy's like, oh, you just come in here right before the fight and try to take credit for our victory. It's like, dude, did you hear about the 10,000 Like, How do you see this victory happening? <laughs> yeah. And he's just like, I see. So even if we survive, then we're going to end up ruled by a tyrant. And Ellen's just like, yep, used to try to do things differently. And maybe someday we can. But right now we need this place. And He's like, why do you need my city? And <laughs> like, we'll get to that later. So any theories on that one?
4: Oh, yeah. I got the Nuggets, the Knowledge Nuggets.
0: <laughs> the Knowledge Nuggets,
4: okay. So they talk uh, they talk about that maybe they should have been mining instead of
1: mm-hmm.
4: instead of training to fight. And I'm like, oh, well, they got ore. And maybe it's even Adium. Maybe this are the pits of Hassan, and they built a city around it. That's why I was trying to remember if one of these guys was the guy that Kelsier had saved at the oh,
0: pits. Oh, I see. Oh, oh.
4: But I don't know that they're the Pits of Hassan necessarily, but it's definitely some I, – I think Ellen wants the mine, whether I, it's the Pits I of Hassan think, or a different mine. Hmm. I don't think they
2: are because I think they mentioned they were in the southern dominance, which is not where the pits are. Yeah.
4: Well, but do we know that that's – I mean, as far as the Lord Ruler said, that's the only Adium mine that exists. But we also find out that later that Vince burning a different element that, is, that can do something similar to Adium or help block Adam's power, so maybe it's an okay. Electrum mine. I don't know, but...
0: Possibly, yeah. Well, Electrum's an alloy, so I don't think you mine alloys. Well, what,
4: but... uh, I guess... Oh, sorry, gold mine. My bad.
0: There you go. Yeah, possibly. Actually, no, I'm, I may have just lied to you completely, because when I look it up, it says Electrum is a naturally occurring alloy of gold and silver. Well, there you go. Oh. So I may be Oh, gold wrong. and silver. That's
2: interesting, because, yeah. like, so if So we know it's not it up, an Electrum like... mine... If, if I, ahead, like it was too much of too much of a silver alloy, then um, presumably it wouldn't work because it ha- it yep. would have to be gold.
0: Right. Well, and I think that that gives us enough information that we're kind of filling in our scorecard here, where it was like you had the eight basic metals that were in you know the the two by two kind of grid, right, with four metals and then four alloys of those metals, and then we had adium yeah. and gold, which never made any sense because they were by themselves and neither was an alloy of the other, and then we discovered. And t- there was yeah, a molatium, Right. The alloy um, of, of, the alloy of, uh, right? of yeah. Atium. And now we have the alloy of gold. Yeah, we, never, gold. we never did ask about that.
2: Mm. God. Given how much time we spent asking, what's we got... the ninth metal in the first book?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, now I we're just get getting so many, it's hard purpose. to keep up with.
4: Yeah.
0: We've got aluminum and duralumin. Yeah, see, that throws kind of throws the whole thing into uh, like out of whack again, because now we have two full grids, but we also added some others. <laughs> yeah.
4: There's more metals than anyone
0: knew. Mm. Okay. So he starts teaching them about the coloss. You know, some are tall, some are short. You want to gang up on them. Uh, two for the small ones, three or four for the big ones. Don't worry about the ones that get in town behind you. I like how tells him, He's like, yeah, this is a nice wall, but it's not going to do anything against the coloss." We had much nicer walls in Luthadel, and those didn't help much. So he didn't say that, but it's true. And someone somebody yells, my lord emperor, the Koloss are sighted. And Factor's like, dang it, they already call him first. And so the coloss get there, and they start setting up camp. And Ellen's like, oh, this is good. Get ready for an assault. And Factor's like, wait, wait, what? You want us to take our, like, thousand dudes to attack the 10,000 Koloss? He's like, yeah. Before they, you know, get all blood furious and stuff, the, we can kill a bunch of them. Which, that's just not a plan that I would have ever thought of to uh, go and attack them first. But with a smaller group. But, you know, he has experience now, so...
2: Well, generally, the solution to dealing with Coloss is to run like hell in the opposite direction, Uh, right? It's much, much, much like with the Inquisitors. It's just uh, the solution is run away. So running
0: at them is probably everyone's just like, are are you fucking mad? That is kind of the reaction. And yet they do it. The chapter ends with like Ellen leading this charge of people running out of the gates and towards the Coloss. Yeah, and in the back of my mind, which we find
4: out why later, but in the back of my mind, this whole chapter, I'm like, when when they're talking about having to fight Colossus and Ellen shows up and he's like, yeah, we're gonna fight him. I'm like, why doesn't he just control them? But mm-hmm. we find out why.
0: Yeah. yeah. See, you got your answer real fast this time. Uh, and then we get another epigraph, which is already a little bit like info dumpy, but not quite as uh. It's like holding the power did strange things to my mind. In just a few moments, I became familiar with it. And yet the knowledge was different from experience or ability. I knew how to move a planet in the sky, yet I did not know where to place it so that it wouldn't be too close to the sun or too far. So that's possibly a level beyond what we have seen or expected from the power before now.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, because, you know, even creating like this new species is one thing and making like mountains. Moving a planet is kind of like another whole level there.
2: Yeah, that's like Thanos with the gauntlet level shit right there.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, if this person is the Hero of Ages, uh, we have underestimated the power up to this point, I think. And Then we get the Ten chapter, and I bet everyone was excited. It feels like forever since we've seen Ten Soon. I was so happy when I saw that name. He's in darkness, but we find out that he was, he is of the third generation, which was old even for Echondra.
4: Yeah. That's interesting. So I guess, you know, I don't know how they count their generations, but let's just say they count it by 100 years. So he would have been like 300 years after the creation of the conjurers when he was born or 200 Mm -hmm. something years or whatever you want to call it.
0: Yeah. So if the conjure were created right away when the Lord Ruler got this power at the well, that would make him about 700 years old at this point. Yeah. So, yeah, that's an old dog. Well, he's not a dog right now. No, he's a goop.
3: It's an old (laughs) goop. goop.
0: But he's so experienced that he can create sensory organs intuitively without a model to copy. So he doesn't have any bones right now. And apparently most organs kind of need bones to work real well. Mm. Without a skeleton, eyes get crushed. I thought that was a really cool little detail. I Mm -hmm. I mean, I I could create eyes, but they're just going to break again. That probably wouldn't feel good either. Nope. No. So his body was a, a little more than a grouping of translucent muscles. Like a mass of snails or slugs. Gross.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
4: just yeah, it's pretty gross. Just keeps
1: getting worse.
2: <laughs> <laughs> sort of made me think Dak of wanted. like the hu- the hunters in Halo.
4: Yeah, that's true. I guess uh yeah, if, if people aren't familiar with like the lore of Halo, it's like hunters are actually a bunch of tiny aliens that wrap themselves around each other and move as a group, and they're just like kind of a goopy.
1: Huh. Yeah,
4: that's also oh, yeah, the same alien. Ones. Yeah, that's like also the same aliens that like run a lot of their ship systems. They also like are the thing that is a scarab. Like a scarab is basically just a giant hunter alien.
0: Oh, was it really? Know that. I didn't know that. Huh. Yep. Wow. I assume that's like novel information. I've never read any of the novels.
2: Yes. I actually read that in the booklet that came with the game disc of the very <laughs> first Halo. <laughs> Back when games had booklets.
4: Yeah. Once that's upon a true. time. Yeah, no. They they talk about like they use um, in the novels. They talk a lot about how they use those aliens to like repair ships, to power, to like help power ships or help them run more smoothly. It's like they kind of work in conjunction with um, the engineer covenant aliens and stuff to do that kind of thing.
0: Hmm, that's cool. It's not as gross as what we're reading now, but so that's that's a plus yeah. right there. Because the the mm-hmm. next mm-hmm. The, the next paragraph is about how uh, he has a sense of taste and all that he can oh. taste is the excrement on the sides of the chamber. Uh, Ew. Yeah,
2: so... <laughs> Which, like, he, he doesn't like he doesn't really have a form. Like, what's he excreting out of?
0: This is a good question. Uh, Some people will probably say it's a bad question. Even, even single-cell <laughs> organisms can, like, take in, like, nourishment and put out something, so I'm sure that there's a way to work it. Uh, he's in a cell that is a pit covered with a grate. His captors dump food in from the top, And then periodically pour water down to hydrate him and wash the excrement through a small hole at the bottom. Sounds delicious. Yeah, right. (laughs) We get some interesting tidbits about um, Chondra and the kind of stuff that they, uh, how they work. Most people would have gone mad, but he had the blessing of presence, so his mind would not give up easily. Yeah, here
4: we go with the, you know. (laughs) Vague <laughs> capital letter thing that I'm like, okay, well that's a thing, but they're obviously I'm not going to get an explanation yet. So there's not a Harry Potter to be like, ooh, what's that new word I just heard? Because <laughs> that's, that's true. what Harry does all the time. He usually waits till after he's like, hey, by the way, can you guys explain what they just said? Because I don't know what the hell, hell they're talking about. It's like, hey, guys, what's a what parcel grow up to? He's like, I don't know. Or he's like, he called Hermione something. I knew it was bad because everybody kind of got mad, but I don't know
0: what he said. Oh, right. Yeah. When they go to Haggard's hut, he's like, yeah, it was a thing. I don't know. What was up with that anyway? Uh, yeah. We don't find anything else ab- out about this blessing of presence, but we do get told about the first generation and the first contract, also all capital letters. And like
2: he- even, he- even the Candor Society has their, like, el- like their elderly
0: generation who controls everything. And it's like, guys, fuck off and let the younger guys take over. <laughs> yeah, it almost sounds like it's like a gerontocracy or whatever, where the oldest people are just, like, they get to be in charge because they're the oldest. They're the first ones. They're
4: supposedly yeah. the
0: wisest, I guess. But
4: I bet none of them can create organs on the fly like my boy Tenson. <laughs>
0: yeah, right? <laughs> but we find out that he came home, back to the Condra homeland after the last book, and admitted everything that he did about how he went against the will of his master to help someone else, ending in his master's death. and. Usually, the punishment for breaking contract was death, but he did even worse than that. He testified to the second generation in closed conference that he'd revealed their secret. He'd betrayed his people's secret, is what it says. We know what he told Vince, so it's not like that's a mystery, but they can't execute me, not until they find out who I told. So, apparently, that's the part that he has not admitted yet. Yeah,
4: this whole scene is, like, very reminiscent as we were talking about Halo. It's almost like a—it it, it makes me think of, like, an Arbiter thing. Which maybe they are uh, going to, yeah. to do their bidding. Mm. I don't know. But it's very like, you, you have brought shame upon us. You know, the ultimate punishment is for you to be imprisoned or whatever. And they're like, we're going to kill you. Oh, but by the way, we're going to make you do our will first. Um, mm. You're going to die doing our will. So, you know, it's whatever. But then they do try to kill him quietly. So I guess it's, it is a little different.
0: Right. Yeah. They kind of try to execute him here. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I got th- this, this sort of does lend a bit of credence. I remember I threw out at one point, she's like Vin is going to have a, like an army of angry blob monsters coming for her. <laughs> yep. Because I mean, yeah, they have the contract of Kandra don't kill humans, but they might say, well, you know, we have to ignore that because she knows our secret. She's too dangerous to be allowed to live.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Maybe.
4: But do they want to go up against the person that killed their supposed creator?
0: Another good question.
2: Hmm. I mean, alternatively, they could just all turn themselves into humans and it's like, all right, how much money we got? Let's just pay an assassin and just pretend we're actually right? people asking, asking them to kill her.
0: Yeah, I wonder if that works, if you can pay somebody else. Like, well, we're not killing her. We didn't break our first, our, you know, our contract thing. Hmm. He thought we were people. That's his mistake. <laughs> we really <laughs> haven't, even at the end of the chapter, we haven't really met any other conjurers. So we really don't know kind of what their attitudes are like. The only other one we've ever met was, uh, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> Or the sure. one he pretends sure. sure. to be. Thank you, yeah. And him we never kind of met as a Chondra. He was always like Lord Renu right. or uh, for a little while Vin's like assistant. Kind of a jerk. But anyway, somebody comes and he th- can feel the vibrations. It says he doesn't have ears, but he can feel the vibrations. And he thinks they're here to feed him. But uh, that is not what happens. They reach hooks in and pull him out. And then it says he uh, can taste sounds it.
4: Sounds unpleasant.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. Sorry. It says he could taste it in the air, acid. So now we know how you go about killing a blob monster. Probably could have guessed that, honestly. Yeah, makes sense. It's
3: never going to be good. No, right? (laughs) (laughs) So you
4: just give it a little kiss and it shows up. (sighs) Now,
3: Sort of
2: begs the question then, like, so he killed Orisaur and we weren't sure how, and he said he ate Orisaur. Did he kill him by eating him? Did his I don't want to say stomach, but like his internal acids dissolve so. Or is that how he killed him?
0: Hmm. It's a good question. I mean, it seems like the most logical way it seemed. It, you got to feel like it's unlikely I mean, that he had a bucket of acid with him to like kill him. With <laughs> I was about whatever, to say, he's right? like, he's just carrying this bucket through the city. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what is that in that bucket, sir? Uh, nothing. Holy water. <laughs> Kelsey,
1: water.
3: <laughs> we don't know how he got into the city. Like, we sure. don't know what form he was in, so maybe he did have a bucket. You never know.
1: Maybe <laughs> you don't need a little bit of
3: acid. Maybe you just need a little bit of acid.
0: And he thinks that, no, they can't kill him. The first contract, the law of our people, it... And then he gets a skull, and he realizes that... So apparently the law says that he gets a chance to speak before he's executed. But what they're trying to do is follow the form of that rule by giving him a skull, but then also pour acid on him and kill him before he has time to actually do it.
4: Right. It's like, oh yeah, here, here's your skull so you can speak. Oh, we're gonna
0: kill you now. But they didn't count on him being fucking top-notch Chondra, where he's like, most of them take hours. He's like,
2: look, we gave him the skull, like, what do you want us to
0: do? (laughs)
4: Like, uh, to work. So, I'm really good.
0: (laughs) So, it says that All of the second generation and most of the third had long ago retired from service and basically just lived in the homeland. Not many had been working as long as Ten Soon had. So he's better than most of them. And he manages to put together enough muscles and a tongue so that he can say one word before they kill him with the acid. And he says, judgment. Yep.
4: Which I guess means they he gets a trial.
0: That is kind of, yeah, I mean, it, it's a trial would be public, is what he thinks, because they start telling him, "Was like, no, stupid, just take death so that you can't hurt us anymore. The first generation has granted you this chance to die because of your extra years of service. And he's like, maybe that would be better. Like, a trial is going to be public. Everyone would find out, not just that he was a contract breaker, because I guess everyone would know that if they found out he was executed, but that they would, he was way worse than that. And apparently... The punishment for that is worse than execution. They just put you in one of those uh, pits and they leave you there forever until every, you go insane. Sure. So that's nice.
4: Yeah, but he's like, screw it, just uh, judgment.
0: Yep. Very, that's the end of the chapter. like
4: sanctuary.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not a very long Tencent chapter. We get a lot of information and it's kind of sad.
2: My immediate thought when I got to the end of this chapter was, I cannot. Fucking wait to see how they do that scene in a, in a movie or TV show visual format, showing all the emotions on
4: this massive
0: muscle. I don't <laughs> I don't know how you could do that. That's a really good point. And
4: it's just a it's just a ball of jello, and then they just give it a voice and voiceover. It's fine.
0: You can be a lot of voiceover. Like I couldn't believe that I didn't have a skull. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, and then our last epigraph for today. Just thinking about this power, it's like it's so overwhelming that it would take millennia to understand. And my ignorance was extremely dangerous because, like a child that suddenly given awesome strength, I could have pushed too hard and left the world a broken toy I could never repair. Yeah, dumping that much power on somebody who doesn't know how to use it, that's not the best idea. Nope. And we cut back to Elend. And he is uh, kind of introspective at first, where it's like, I used to just be a professional socialite, and I was going gonna to grow up and be a politician. And then it gets a quote from Tindwill about, I doubt you'll ever be the type of leader who can lead a charge against the enemy. And it's like, ha, she'd be eating her words now. She didn't expect him to be a Mistborn either, though. So, you know, yeah, that gives you an edge. And they actually, as he's encouraging them, they manage to kill a bunch of Coloss. Because the Kolas did not, like, apparently the Kolas see them run all the way from the wall to their camp, and they're just like, huh, what's that about?
4: <laughs> yeah. They kill, like, what, like 700, it says, I think?
0: Yeah, I'm not quite to, to to that part of it yet, but yeah, it's like hundreds. Which is pretty, that's a really good job.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And they're just surprised, and they get to take a bunch of them out, while the others kind of whip themselves into a frenzy. His white uniform gets stained with red koloss blood. must well, be really hard keeping that white uniform white with all the fighting, I gotta say. Yeah, yeah I'm guessing he's got several. Yeah, she, she gave him several in the first place, so... Yeah,
4: makes me think of, like, any uh, joke at a cartoon show, where it's like, you know, in cartoons, people, the characters always wear the same outfits, but every once in a while, the... Animators or the writers will make a joke. It's like they open their closet and it's full of all the, just all
0: like, the same uh, one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just
4: a ton of outfits that are exactly the same.
0: It says they have managed to take down several hundred colossi. So I guess it didn't give us uh, exact. That's still quite a significant. Yeah, I mean, when you consider that there's ten thousand of them, it doesn't seem like that much. But uh, for a bunch of humans attacking colossi, it's pretty impressive, I think. Yeah, and then we just get into the fight. Coloss and the human line of a thousand or so soldiers trying to fight this giant army of Coloss and Ellen is trying to push on their emotions and grab them. And it's not working.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And at one point, Fatron's like, we're doomed. Game over, man. Game over.
4: <laughs> <laughs> then the music kicks in and the horseshoes come flying. Yeah. Oh Yeah. You're going to you get like a bad to the bone riff or something. Yeah, it would be
0: like, uh, or like, uh,
1: welcome to the
0: jungle. She just like drops in, you know. It's like they see this this thing coming and Factor's like, what's that? And he's like, that's the first of those armies I promised you.
4: Yep. And also my wife, but you don't need to yeah, know that
0: right now. <laughs> it might have been <laughs> more yeah, polite to call, her, to call her his wife rather than an army, but you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Jamie, you're the only wife in the group. Which one would you prefer to be referred to as?
3: I mean, like, in Vin's case, she's pretty badass, but... That's true. So, yeah. <laughs> I think Vin would be okay, but, yeah, I mean, if someone had referred to me as an army, I'd probably be like, excuse me?
0: You're right. Because Vin seems also... like
2: she'd be okay with this. <laughs> I guess it it also depends on the context. It's not like he's introducing her at dinner. <laughs> oh,
3: yeah,
0: that's
2: true, too. my
3: army, Vin. He's like, this is my
2: army,
4: Vin. <laughs> army... Meet General Tao. <laughs> he has really good chicken.
0: <laughs> I, I, I can't eat General So's chicken anymore. It's sad. I got real sick after eating it one time. Oh, that sucks. It was the, it was the night that Watchmen came out. Because I had that. Oh, it. yeah. I went to the midnight showing of Watchmen, and I had to leave in the middle of the showing to run to the theater bathroom and throw up.
4: Oh. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. But that Unto- there were there were other circumstances brutal. that caused you to throw up.
0: Oh, no, yeah. But it was just, that was what I'd eaten right before then, so now it's just like, it wasn't the food's fault, it was the fact that I'd taken the police academy entrance exam, the physical portion earlier that day, and was not in any way prepared for it. Passed it, mind you, but was not prepared for the... Oh, gosh. Yep. Fun, fun.
4: And, uh, listeners, in case you're wondering, he is not a police officer, so no. please don't
0: ask. Yeah, didn't didn't end up taking that job, partly because that, that entrance exam, like, wiped me out, and... They all saw that, and then I had them, like, a bunch of the training officers come by and make sarcastic comments at me afterward. I'm like, yeah, I don't know yeah. that this is necessarily where I want to be. Wow. <laughs> yep. Anyway, I was going to touch on, actually, and I kind of forgot to in the last chapter, that Brandon in the annotations talking about writing from the Chandra viewpoint. And he's like, I knew that this book had to have a Chandra viewpoint in it. They just have this unique perspective on everything. And I wanted to give people more of like this culture and this mindset. And he also says that he wrote most of Ten Soon's stuff in one chunk and then like figured out where various chapters would fit in kind of later on. And so this first chapter, he really wasn't sure for the longest time when he was going to bring Ten into the story and eventually decided that it had to be really early to be the mm. most compelling. That's cool. He also says that Ten Sun chapters tend to be, tended to be the favorite of his alpha readers, so we got that going for us, I guess. But back to the battle, he says that this is where, as he does in each book, he had to kind of reintroduce alamancy and what it does, and he feels that kind of slows things down and makes this fight a tad dry, that he has to explain some of these things.
4: I agree that he had to do it. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, it's a new book. I know it's a trilogy, and it's the third one, and you should have read the other two definitely before starting this one, but... You've got to have a little bit of recap, yeah. Like on this stuff, because people are gonna be confused, you know.
0: Yeah,
4: that, that, it's not it's not us who are reading them back to back, right? It's like when he originally wrote them, they're re- at least a year, maybe two years apart. I think it was a year apart.
0: Uh, and I mean, it's nowhere near as bad as like the Dresden Files, where he reintroduces every character with like the same descriptions in all of the early books. And it's like, yes, I know that Murphy is like five foot, nothing and blonde hair and <laughs> looks like your cousin or whatever. I love well, those Harry books.
1: Potter, really that
0: always that. always explains how his parents died. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let we just
4: throw that in there. They stopped doing that. I think like the fifth book is probably the, f- no, it may have been the sixth book is the first one where they kind of don't do that.
0: Okay. Yeah. But in the sixth book, we get like memories of his mom. So it's kind of not even, yeah, it's true. Anyway, anyway, sorry. Vin comes in, super badass, just starts taking out dudes. Well, dudes, coloss. I like she th- th- this bit where she shoots fifteen feet into the air as a coloss swings at her, and he accidentally cuts the head off the coloss next to him instead of hitting her, and doesn't care sure. in any way. Yeah, I do like that he
4: explains several times. It's like, yeah, these coloss just kept being confused because they're like, this shouldn't happen. How does this girl who's like five feet jump? 15 feet in the air and kill our like best dude like i don't
0: i don't get it and yet it drew them to her this confusing thing that they were watching she's 20 now it mentions so (laughs) that gives us a solid yeah true i think she turned 17 in the middle of the first books so yeah
4: and again it reminds me of harry potter it's like when the denoming starts all the gnomes run up to see what what's (laughs)
1: happening
2: (laughs) (laughs) Decolossing.
0: And I won't hit every bit, but it's just there's a lot of descriptions of Vin killing Coloss, and she's just awesome. I love them. Yeah. I just like, I never get enough of Vin. Like
2: in some action scenes you can kind you can sort of get a bit, okay, we get it. Shit's going down. Move on, get on with it. I felt I felt that way a little bit in the Battle of Luthadel, last book. Mm. Um but in this fight scene I spent the entire thing just going, This is fascinating. Tell me more. <laughs>
4: Yeah, it's good. It's like it, it reminds me of like when Thor shows up in Endgame. It's just like, yeah, uh, or sorry, not Endgame, Infinity War. He's got the axe, you know, he just comes in axe blazing and yep. uh, takes out a bunch of dudes. It's Lightning
0: pretty, going. Awesome. Yeah. And then he's like, tree. Yep. This is Captain America. I am Groot. I am Steve Rogers. <laughs> sorry, I love that. <laughs> bit. But... Vin, this is my friend, Fatrin. Fatrin, this
2: is my wife. <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, uh, I I am fashion I'm the army <laughs>
0: <laughs> We have
4: a Vince mirror. like can I call you fats everybody does.
0: I feel like that's more of a lift thing but oh you guys never mind, never mind. we're not there yet <laughs> what so let's see I like that we get some I mean we kind of jump from Ellen's perspective right into Vin's head which is almost a little bit jarring in the way that it moves but we get some interesting like she feels like she's come to peace with her place in all of this she's ellen's tool to help him and it even has like she'd seen ellen die and had let it happen intentionally and so now it's like he's still alive and every breath is unexpected and perhaps undeserved but she's no longer terrified that she's going to lose him
3: I thought this is a really good sort of change of mindset for vin it's it's not so much that she's just being used or anything i think she's still happy with their relationship, but she's just more at ease now. It's like her sole purpose isn't just to protect Ellen. Mm. You know, we've yeah. got a job to do, which is fine. And also he is perfectly capable of looking after himself. I don't have to watch over him every second. So it's nice that she's actually got a little bit of peace, I think.
1: Yeah,
0: and I, it's hard to say whether she would have gotten that if he hadn't become like a mistborn also, but he did. And so she's kind of in a better mindset here than we've seen her like ever, I think, at this point.
4: Yeah. Yeah, and I th- I think it was important for her to feel that way before or right as he became a misborn because in the last book we got a lot of well, he doesn't if he doesn't need me, what am I here for? If he doesn't mm-hmm. need me to protect him. So now he can protect himself, so it's good that she's feeling secure because otherwise we'd probably still have that. Plus, you know, people grow. She's 20. She she's not a teenager anymore, you know? She's yeah. she's probably matured a little bit like emotionally.
1: Mm.
0: I think Dak mentioned last time that he was afraid with Ellen being a misborn and stuff we might backslide some and her being like well now he doesn't need me again and so I think it's really nice that that's not what is happening at least not yet I guess it could happen at some point in this book. Yeah. We had but, so much of that in the last mind.
3: book though yeah. I really hope we don't go back there.
0: Yeah no I agree. Yeah oh I I hope we don't I was just
2: worried that we might but um yeah no yeah. from this little snippet at least like looks good.
3: And
0: uh, yeah she's she's chopping Colossus up she's kicking him in the head and breaking their heads doing all the. The, the Vin stuff, but then, let's see, like the Colossus freeze. They're so surprised that she killed this like 13 foot tall one. That she's like, that thing's so big, it shouldn't be alive. It should have died long ago. From its heart should have given out. Which that that raised a red flag. I'm like, oh
2: god, what, like are the Colossus living longer? Mm-hmm. Like is Ruin and his Inquisitor buddies experimenting on them to make them live longer? Like that 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 really concerned me.
0: Yeah, it's only been a year though, so I guess it it'd be hard to tell. At this point, if that was the case. Although we did give this one possible example. But she's like, everyone thinks that they don't feel fear, but they do. They just can't act on it. It does, however, weaken them. And seeing her take out so many of them and seeing Ellen's little group of humans take out so many of them and keep fighting is instilling some of this fear. And that's what gives her enough room to break in and start taking control of them. And so she... she Grabs one, has it kill some of its friends, it gets killed, grabs, like, two more, and it starts gradually turning the Koloth army against itself.
4: Yeah, and it's... I, I like also, as she said, it's like, normally me killing one of those, they would just go ahead, and seeing that, they would just go ahead and be docile, but mm-hmm. because of the external force that's controlling them,
0: uh, that's not going to happen. Yep. Something else is, uh, is in the game with them now. It's not like the ones back in Luthadel that were just on their own doing stuff. There's something already controlling these and they can only draw it out by starting to take over its army. And that finally gives uh, the thing a reason to show itself. And that's when they see something flying through the air and it is a bald face tattooed spikes through the eyes, steel inquisitor. So did he also come in on horseshoes? Uh, Let's see. What does it say? It says a speck in the clear. air, shooting towards her, resolved into a figure with black robes, um, bounding pushing over the army Carlos by pushing swords. down on coloss swords. But, of course, it couldn't have done that all the way here, because there's not a line of Kolos all the way here. It doesn't right. say how he shows up, actually.
3: But yeah, didn't he they just say fly they didn't the yeah. have Vin, Vin managed to take control of one of the coloss because it had gotten too far away from whatever force was controlling it or something like that. So, presumably the Inquisitor was close enough to the army mm. to begin with.
0: So yeah, maybe just use some coins. If it was, you know, if it didn't have that long to travel, like vended with the horseshoes. Hmm. Interesting.
4: Yeah. It makes me think of, um, I'm reading through the Thrawn books right now and mm. the Jedi, like the dark Jedi master. It's like controlling, controlling the, uh, empire armies from like light years away. I'm just like, Whoa, that's intense. It's kind of, like, I, I'm wondering how far away can he be and still control him?
2: Yeah. It's funny you bring up Star Wars, because my thought when the Inquisitor landed in the fight, even though I knew it was coming, I, I sort of had the music from Rogue One where Darth Vader just pops out of the shadows with his lightsaber playing Ooh, in my head. That's a
0: badass moment. Yeah. Yep. But this is apparently what they've been trying to do, is draw this guy out. And Vin starts burning Electrum, which Ellen has called the poor man's adium, because it doesn't help you in battle, but it cancels out Adium because it shows you your future instead of other people's future and other things. Yeah, which I feel like isn't exactly the opposite of gold, but. Yeah. Well, and Brandon has I was going to read this section of the annotations because it's uh, interesting, I think. But I, I I just may be more into Alamancy than uh, your average person. But he says, so I held off on using this metal, Electrum, because while I knew what it had to do. I also knew that it would make adium far less important. The way I built Allomancy, there's a logic to the framework. Adium shows other people's futures. Gold shows you your own past. Each group of metals has internal and external power. Therefore, one of the two alloys, either adiums or golds, had to show other people's paths, pasts. The 11th metal from book one, an alloy of adium. The final metal of that group, then, had to show you your own future. I wanted this to be an alloy of adium, but the problem was that it couldn't be. There's always a pushing metal and a pulling metal to each set, and the pull always comes first. The push is always the alloy. So two external metals that do things to other people have to be grouped together, and the two internal metals that do things to you have to be grouped together. That means adium and gold are both pulling metals. The ones that do things to you both had to be related to gold, and both the metals that do things to other people had to be related to adium. Therefore, even though initial logic makes it seem that an alloy of adium should be one that shows the one that shows you your own future, the way the magic is actually arranged means that it has to show you other people's pasts. And then there's an ed- editor's note that says careful readers may intuit something else about this, that Brandon is holding back.
2: Hmm. <laughs> Tangle that carrot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I I could not put that out to y'all, but unless sure. you're <laughs> seriously in Dolomancy, what they're referring to is uh, kind of hard to pick up on.
4: I don't know. Maybe it's something about burning like
0: Electrum and adium at the same time. Or something? hmm maybe. Uh, let's see, so back to the fight. Vin is fighting this Inquisitor. It's got axes. She's got a big Koloss sword. Like, she didn't need to bring any weapons, because she just takes their weapons and uses them. Sure. Uh, she deliberately lured him out by killing and controlling his Koloss and forcing him to reveal himself. Oh, but she did bring her glass daggers, because she's got the glass daggers, so because the, kol- the Inquisitor pushed it right. on the sword. Yeah. Yeah, he comes out and she's like, You activated my trap card. <laughs> Swords of revealing light. And she goes for the spike in his back, the one that Marsh told everyone was you pull out the the, the linchpin spike and they drop. Which Moss was trying to do to himself and it's like, Can't yes. get it. Yeah. He doesn't even have enough control to reach around the back of him and grab something on his own. It's really sad. <laughs> But when she gets there, it turns out this Inquisitor has a uh, metal shield covering itself, like a form-fitting breastplate, it says, covering its back. Something like a sleek turtle's shell. So they've made it hard to get to that spike, which is pretty smart.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's yep. if, if people know your weakness naturally, you got to do something to protect it, right?
2: Yeah. I would say protect it even if people don't know it, just in the off chance someone accidentally gets it.
4: Maybe they should invest in some neck armor just saying
0: (laughs) getting their heads chopped off
2: well this one doesn't so much get it chopped off as just pulped
0: yeah well you're not wrong
2: it's like i remember there was a um one of the punisher max comics a while like i can't even remember which one i just remember the only thing from this from this issue i remember because i read it years and years ago was he got shot by a stray shotgun blast or something and his internal monologue just goes two ribs
0: are gone not broken gone Oh, that's nice. That yeah. sounds like the kind of thing a Chondra would say.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So she's fighting the guy, and they almost take him because Ellen shows up and surprises him from behind with a handful of coins. But it's not quite enough to kill him, at least. Not right then. But what he does do is uh, he's getting ready to jump away. He's like, okay, two is too many. I'm going to take off. And we find out that. Uh, Oh, uh, Vin notes that Ellen's physical alomancy still lacks polish. <laughs> he <laughs> mentioned should... that himself as well. Yeah. I just like that she's critiquing him. She's like, because she, she's going to be the one training him, right? So. Oh, surely. Yeah, that's a fun little date night, throwing coins at each other. <laughs> <laughs> but we also find out that Ellen is uh, stronger than your average alomancer. And the Inquisitor and him <laughs> get to Did you have a... to say that in a way that makes it sound like yeah. a ye bear? <laughs> Well exactly. I mean, you don't know how hard it was hair. for me in my head not to to go even further than that, because as soon as I started saying it, that was the only thing in my head was the Yogi Bear thing. <laughs> <laughs> I... Stronger than the
4: average Alamancer, A boo boo
0: Aven. I gotta show the kids some, some old Hanna Barbera cartoons at some yeah. point.
4: Watch the one where it's the one where Yogi like gets they've uh, the movie that I always really liked watching was the one where he and Boo like get stuck on a train and they I go far away. I don't
0: remember that one at all. Oh, it's a good one. Okay, sorry. I lost my spot here. Uh, <laughs> she's just impressed. He's so powerful. Ooh, So hot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay.
4: I feel like you're putting that on her. I don't feel like that's what she says. No,
0: it's not at all. But, you know, they're married. She's thinking that. You know, it's fine. Sure. The fight goes on between Ellen, Inquisitor, and Vin for a little bit. She, she loses her, her knives, he loses his axes, Ellen gets one of the axes, but then the Inquisitor moves with a sudden jolt of speed. It's form a blur. And Vin's really like, wait, what? Because not even Pewter can make you move that fast. Not even with, like, Duralumen. And in its hand is a metal spike, and he's going right for Ellen with the spike. And Vin is too far away to help, but fortunately, there is a coloss who is not and smacks the Inquisitor directly in the face with its big-ass sword, crushing its head completely. Your head (laughs) Uh explode. And that's when Ellen uses and Brass and takes control of all the Koloss at once. Yep. And then he shouts, Affleck was the bomb
4: in Phantoms, yo! (laughs) I don't know why, but he does.
0: We were sitting around the other day, and something came on about Ben Affleck. And my wife really hates him as Batman, and so she's just like, ugh, such a bad choice for Batman. I was like, but he was the bomb in Phantoms, and she just looks at me like, what the <laughs> hell are you talking about? <laughs> she doesn't know. She doesn't know about
2: Phantoms. Uh,
1: I've,
2: I've never seen Phantoms. I just I just know Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah, me too. I've also never watched Phantoms. No, me either. So <laughs> can socket, We can neither confirm nor deny if he was, in fact, the bomb.
0: Nope, can't do it. Yeah. And so there's a note here uh, in the annotations about the Inquisitor and his speed. And I don't know if you guys picked up on or what where that came from, kind of assuming you might have. Oh yeah but, we yep.
2: So it's like, well, that's clearly going to be
0: important. So it says what the Inquisitor does here at the end is very important. If you've read book two recently, which we did, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. you may
0: recognize mm-hmm. this as what says did when he tapped speed at the end of that book. The Inquisitors are gaining ferrochemical powers, which makes them very, very dangerous. Mixing ferrochemical and Alamancy is what made the Lord Ruler so formidable. Fortunately, it took him a long time to learn how to mix the powers correctly, and the Inquisitors haven't had that time to practice. Yeah, I didn't
4: know Funny. that we were going to read that annotation, but that is what I assumed it was based on what happens in the prologue, and what he does here, because I mean, if, if it's a faster speed than Alamancy can make, it's like, okay, well, it's... The only other power we know of that can do things that Allomancy can't, that it enhance your skills, are, is Farakimi. So I kind of kind of figured that's what it was.
0: Yeah. Me too. Right, I assume that you guys had probably figured that out, which is why I was like, we can go ahead and read that uh, annotation. It's not really a spoiler, since I'm pretty sure people get an idea of what's happening at this point. But that is the end of what we read for this week. The next time... I was What I was – in the middle of saying was the next annotation is one of those that's kind of like a very interesting info dump. So I'll be interested to hear what you guys say when we get there. Uh, Do you in mean the meantime, epigraph? Epigraph. I'm sorry. Yes. Thank you. I'm dumb. In the meantime, no, predicaments. What does anyone have to predict now that we've seen the beginning of this book uh, what we're going to be running into?
2: Strap in, because I've got a real volcano one for you this week. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) So, throughout this book, there is rapidly, uh, rapidly, rapidly—that's entirely the wrong word. I'm such an idiot. There is consistently brought up the fact that Ellen's Alamancy is way stronger than anyone expected, and the running theory is it's because he had he he had the power granted to him in the same way the first Alamancers did, rather than inheriting it genetically. Um, with the little sphere down in the well. So I got to thinking about that and thought, why well, now, why is he so strong? Um, because Vin is commenting on how strong he is. But then you think about Vin also is way stronger than anyone expected. Mm-hmm. They've gone on at length about that. She's done things no Allomancer should have been able to do in the previous books, including tapping into the mists and everything else. Yep. So I was thinking about Vin's Alamancy, and that made me go back to the first book, where she talks about what happened to her as a child, wherein she came home and, like, her mum had gone crazy, baby sister was dead, and mum was worshipping Vin as a god. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if somehow Vin's mother got a hold of one of those orbs somehow, like the original Allomantic power-granting orbs, and fed it to Vin as a child and was worshipping her. as like, now you will be the strongest person on this planet for whatever reason. I don't know how the hell she got it or what she did, but I'm just like, I wonder if that's how Vin actually got her alomancy power because we don't think her mum was uh, had it, had any missed powers, and I'm pretty sure Tavidian didn't either. So, did it just skip a few generations, or was something else going on?
0: That is very interesting, actually. Hmm, I like this. I like this theory. It totally explains the whole. Uh worshiping as goddess i mean doesn't doesn't explain why she murdered her sister or anything but she was crazy so maybe everything doesn't need to be explained in that sense no mm. no
2: but but maybe you know if it's if it's a traumatic event maybe maybe mom killed baby sister to traumatize vin and make her snap and awaken her powers
1: yeah
0: i want you is... i want you to do me a favor and remember this not for next week but for the episode after that because when we get to chapter 10 I'm going to reveal a fun behind the scenes sort of fact that will go right along with this and give your theory more weight. But we're, okay. we're a couple of weeks away. from there. Filing away. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah,
2: that's, that's my big crazy theory for this chapter. The other, like the only other things I've got are the small things. Just I assume that the inquisitors, you know, since they've returned, they've taken all the Coloss that were around Luther Del at the end of book two because i mean mm. those they they've got to have gone somewhere right yeah um and and just general stuff like i believe that tensoon is going to try and maybe lead sort of a something about the Kandra changing their ways because he's going to try and help vin as much as possible i think he really wants to do right by her and i think marsh is going to be a much more major character in this book from that prologue he's like he's going to have his own character arc Whether or not we actually see inside his head again, I don't know, but he's going to be of vital importance throughout this book. I really hope – I can't wait to see him again.
0: Hmm. I feel like it might be hard to have an arc when you can't actually do anything of your own volition, but that's not saying that he couldn't do it. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Okay, fair. a few
4: things as well. Like I said, there were a lot of little delicious nuggets here, and I actually like Dax Theory a lot. I might build on that a little bit. Uh, so the first thing is ruins controlling Marsh, right? That's, I, I already kind of talked about that, so I'm, I'm doing this in order the way I wrote them. So we can effectively think, or at least I can effectively think, that if he's being controlled and he wants to die but he can't, that I think Dak may be right. There may be some kind of arc for Marsh uh, wherein he somehow finds the the power to kind of overcome the control that he's under. So Ellen, uh, the next part is Ellen since he arrived, and they talk about how his alomancy is stronger. Yeah, definitely, I think these beads. I think I think they describe it in the second book as beads of metal. These beads of metal, they I I would say they have to be the original source of how humanity, I guess you call it, got alomancy. You know, they found these beads or they got them somehow because they do talk about it in the second book. I think the Chandra talks. Uh, I think Tensun talks about how the original Alamancers were stronger yep and so i guess that it, when you get it through blood it slowly kind of just loses its power through the generations it's being diluted right it's being diluted as opposed to getting the power directly from the bead of metal
0: well yeah and especially if the bead gives you like misborn ability right you can see it being diluted just in the fact that now most people just get one
4: yeah exactly so yes those those beads of metal I like Dax's theory that maybe somehow Vin's mother got a hold of one of these beads. I mean, if her dad really is the high obligator, maybe he had relics from, you know, his ancestors. And maybe one of them oh, happened to be this, yeah, maybe one of them happened to be this bead of metal. To build on that even further, I, I often wondered if maybe Vin's mother was secretly a terrorist woman in disguise, like a keeper. And so she had knowledge of something that allowed her to kind of put things together to know that that would give give her daughter power. I don't know. That's just the theory I'm putting out there that maybe her mother was a terrorist woman because in the first book, is it the first? I think it's. I, I can't remember if it's the first or second book that then swallows some ferrochemical metal. And That's the first one. It, yep. Yeah, but it says it's metal, right? And she can't tap into it. But then she never tests it out again. She never tries to fill a metal because says never explains how that process oh. works to her. So I'm almost wondering if she also knows ferrochem or she also has the potential to use ferrochem she just doesn't know that because she's never tried it.
0: That would be a hell of a thing. So, to not know.
1: Oh.
4: Right. Yeah, because Saist was being very hush-hush in the first book about how ferrochem worked. So he gave her the metal to swallow, but really it's like it didn't matter because she wouldn't have been able to use it anyway because it's not hers. So there's that little tidbit that could tie in with Dax theory. Based on... Jamie's theory last book and what I've read in these epigraphs, the way they are written seems like they're written by Sazed to me. So I'm yes. And so I'm just going to go ahead and say Jamie's theory was 100 percent right. And that Sazed is the hero of ages, or at least Mm. at the beginning of his epigraphs, he he thinks he is. He says, I am, unfortunately, the hero of ages, because who would say it like that? Nobody (laughs) else would say it like that. (laughs) Sazed is the only guy who'd be like, I guess I'm the hero. Great.
0: I guess that depends on the circumstances of sure. becoming the hero. Maybe it yeah, really sucks maybe it when we find out. Breeze is yeah. the
4: hero, and he's like, oh, I guess I'm the hero.
0: <laughs> I have to but, do work now.
4: <laughs> yeah. No, but the, the the way he talks about it, it's like the way he talks, the way he writes. It's like this knowledge is different from experience or even the ability to use that power. I know how to move a planet in the sky, yet I didn't know where to place it. Like He is thinking these things out, and I feel like says is the only character we know that thinks things out like this. So um, pretty much from that second epigraph, I'm like, this sounds like Sazed, for sure. So that's my theory on who the Hero of Ages is. I think Jamie did an awesome job putting that theory together last book, and I think these epigraphs just help confirm that.
0: So want um, I, I want to share something uh, with you guys before we go further, but it's uh, along these same lines. Somewhere in the first third of this book or so, I got to an epigraph, and per, for maybe the only time in any in this entire trilogy i stopped and i was like you know what i'm gonna see if i can figure this out i want to know who this person is writing these epigraphs i feel like they're trying to make it something that i could figure out i'm gonna stop and think about this and so i stopped reading for like like i said maybe the only time and i went back and i looked through all the epigraphs and i was like hmm what what does this and finally i came to the conclusion that because of the diction the, the, the words that were used and the way that they were used that it narrowed it down to two characters for me. I'm like, this is Ellen or it's Sazed because they're the only ones who would know even like to form sentences in this way and to use some of the words that the way that they're being used. And then I thought. Well, I don't know, but for maybe like getting all this crazy magical power of the Hero of Ages changes your mind enough that you're looking in, at and saying things differently. So maybe I'm totally out, out of my mind to just assume that I can tell based on the way that they're saying this, who it is. And then within a chapter of reading more, I'd completely forgotten that I ever stopped and thought about that. And so when I got to the end, I didn't even have a theory in my brain about who the Hero of Ages might be. <laughs> uh, or I, I say when I got to the end, when I get to the point where it's revealed who that is. Which uh, I won't actually say where that is. And, uh, but uh, I'd completely forgotten that I ever, ever even thought about it. So uh, obviously, not tell you whether I was right or wrong, but it's just this was the, the one thing that I stopped and theorized about when I first read the books.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah. I mean, I, and I think, again, we've talked about this before. I think because of the way that we are taking the time to dissect everything. Uh, with this podcast. I I feel pretty comfortable saying that, that Jamie's theory was right, and the way that we've read this, like, I think it is sazed. I don't think it's, I don't know, I don't see Ellen even writing this way, so I don't know that it, I don't know, I feel like it would be Ellen, but a lot of the things Jamie said in the, um, when she theorized originally, just kind of fit, and then this kind of, to me, these epigraphs fit in the style that they're written, that it would be sazed. So there's that with the epigraphs, and then Tenson, I'm kind of at a loss at for for what's going to happen with him. I don't really know. I'm I'm kind of looking forward to not trying to think too hard about that and just kind of letting it happen because that's kind of the that's the story on the periphery right now that I'm sure will become very relevant. But for right now, I got I got a, I got a taste and that was satisfying. So I don't need to know everything about that right now. So absolutely, Ellen's stronger Alamanzer because of the. The way he was given al- the Alamanic powers for sure. Uh, we talked about the. I wrote this down. I didn't know if we were going to talk about it. I talked about that Inquisitor definitely being a Pharaoh chemist. But here's the theory on how I think that works. So I don't think this guy was originally a Terrasman, but at the beginning of the prologue, he's shoving spikes through a Terrasman. He specifically mm. mentions that it's a Terrasman uh. into the Inquisitor underneath. So something with the spikes going through the blood instills the power of Pharaoh into the Inquisitor. Which is why I wondered if to make an Inquisitor – because we only see one body there, right, in the prologue. So this guy, maybe he was already an Inquisitor, and he's just – Marsh is just giving him pharaoh chemical powers. Because maybe our – because I remember a long time ago we said, well, maybe they have to use so many bodies because they have to get a misting of each version and put the spikes through, use the sp- – or somehow use that person to put the power into the Inquisitors to give them all the alemannic powers. So you could use – maybe you could use one Mistborn or – but if you had a Mistborn that you could sway, or, well, I guess you'd have to capture them first. That would be really difficult. Whereas you could capture a Misting pretty easily. So if you had a bunch of Mistings that, to make one Inquisitor, you really only need one Terrasman to make a Ferrochemist Inquisitor. Mm. So that, um, that's my theory on how they're getting Ferrochemical power. So he's using um to actually give them that power.
2: I wonder if, like, he makes a point that it's the brass black they're shoving through the ferrochemist, so I guess that's also the question of what brass... What's brass do
0: for... Was brass health for ferrochemie? No, oh, for ferrochemie, hold on, I can tell you, because there was a chart at the end of the last book, so it's not like that would be a spoiler. Let me look up the ferrochemie.
4: Yeah, I looked at the chart, actually, for the first time, I was like, oh, this is cool.
0: Brass stores... Iron, steel, tin, pewter, zinc, copper, brass. Brass stores warmth
1: oh hmm.
4: so maybe the warmth of the blood i don't know but um yeah but yeah that i, I that's my theory on how that process of them actually becoming pharaoh work is all you need is the tariffman and then somehow to know the art of hematology or whatever it's called
0: well that's an interesting thought because we do know and they were missing for the whole last book right and everyone's kind of grumpy that they never actually showed up and did anything we know that the yep. first thing that they did apparently after the lord ruler fell was they went up to the terrorist dominance and they either killed or captured all of yeah. the feruchemis leaders of synod yeah the synod yeah so maybe they had a reason for that yeah well, maybe like they
2: the, the the guy the guy that the guy that they that Marsh was killing in the prologue mentioned that he'd been questioned and he was like, they would like trying to was trying to give them as much information as it could about the synod. So it's specifically the synod they want.
4: Yeah. And I mean, maybe, hmm. maybe the inquisitors already knew, maybe they had already figured out that Roshek was a Terrasman and that he had ferrochemical and allomanic powers. And so we, we all know from the beginning or from that first book that the inquisitors were all about grab, grabbing power. Yep. So, If they found that out, if they figured it out in some way before the intervention of Ruin, or even with Ruin's intervention, if he really can speak through the spikes at all times, if they figured that out, then it would be – that would be a step that they could take. It's like, okay, well, we got to go get this power, this Farakami power. We got to go, and we'll each be Lord Rulers,
0: basically. Yeah, I wouldn't blame them for wanting to do that. Who wouldn't want the – that's some crazy power that dude had. And I think they must have known because they knew that he went in and, like, made himself older and younger. Because we saw, even when he was old, they were like, oh, Lord Ruler, we captured this girl. So they must have known what he was doing, or had an idea, at least. Yeah.
4: May not have known where the extra power came from, though. Because Lord Ruler's the one quashing the mm, terrorist people. True. He doesn't want anybody to know that they have
0: ferrochemi powers. Okay. Interesting theories. Well, Jamie, I don't think you've gone yet.
3: No, 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 not yet. I really like where uh, both Dak and Joe have gone this week. I was thinking something similar about Vin's origin as well. I had thought, and I, I actually don't know if we brought it up or not, if the earring that Vin had been given as a child maybe that was storing some ability for her, but and it, and it was the only mm. piece of jewelry that she ever wore. But I don't, I think that got destroyed when she was in the well.
0: She took it. It started oh. burning, and she took it off when she got into the well. I don't think that it was. But it actually,
4: oh okay, it, it actually mentions that she jumps back in and grabs it.
3: Right. Okay. Forgot that part. Yeah, so maybe maybe her having some ferrochemical ability, maybe maybe she is already storing something, and that does make her stronger. She's tapping into it without even realizing oh, that she's doing it because there are some things that she's really good at. So yeah, I kind of like that idea that maybe maybe the mother was a terrorist person. And yeah, after reading these epigraphs, I'm I'm really comfortable with my saved theory as the hero of ages. I sort of thought maybe we were getting a point of view as, uh, like, from Rasek, Um because, well, I'm trying to figure out, like, if he, if he took on the power but didn't release the power, that would give him the ability to change things like he did. Mm. And then as he's died, the power's gone back into the well, maybe. Hmm. So I was thinking it could have been his point of view in the past sort of reflecting on what it was like to have the power and not knowing what to do with it. But then reading through those couple of epigraphs, it it all sounded a bit familiar. And then I think it's in the third chapter we read the first line of it. There's a line and then it says, I think, and I was like, Oh, (laughs) it's you. (laughs) So so now I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with, with that theory. So I'm going to stick with that one for a little while. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. But that's all I've got really nothing too new see what happens in the next few chapters and build some pictures yeah
0: uh okay well for next time let me bring up my schedule thing here we're reading four chapters which will be four five six and seven six may actually be the shortest chapter in any of these three books it's like uh two words like ellen wept (laughs) (laughs) i think there's a chapter in like hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy that's literally like one sentence or something it's not quite that short but i think it may be the shortest thing we've ever read actually so anyway
2: there's a a, um warren else book called crooked little vein the third chapter is literally two sentences he he walks into a bar and and yells i'm buying 100 drinks for me oh they beat the shit out of me
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's that's awesome i love that that reminds me of the Anybody ever read the uh, the Frank Burley novels by uh, John Schwartzwelder? Huh, only because oh, no. you let me read them. Ah, that's true, yeah. They're they're very short novels by John Schwartzwelder who's written more episodes of The Simpsons than anybody and yeah. they're hilarious and weird.
4: Yeah, they're pretty awesome. It's basically like it what, it what if Homer Simpson was a private detective?
0: It's pretty yeah. amazing. <laughs> oh, oh my kind god. Of like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a very this. good description. Uh, the first the first one is called The Time Machine Did It. So uh highly recommend to anybody who wants to laugh a lot. It's it's so weird because it's I, I read books fast because I I want to get to the end, I want to find the story. This is the kind of book that it's like I read a chapter or two and then it's just it's like too much funny coming at you too fast. I have to like stop and yeah. come back the next day and read another couple chapters. Yeah.
4: It's really I mean, it's like reading a comedy show. It's just like but but in a in a pleasant way, not in like a scripty kind of way. It's just okay. they're very just pleasant to read.
0: Anyway, sorry, that, that's way off track from what we were, but anyway, random book recommendation of the week. So we had, let me double check to see if we had, I don't think we had any, no, this this email says it's from Guest Services, which is not uh, <laughs> Guest Services? It's probably, it's junk mail, I just uh, hadn't. Let's it read
4: it, read it, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: it says, hi, Dinah, uh, if you would like to Make an order? Okay, yeah, no, I can't even. This is it's uh it, yeah, it's don't like do it. Bad English, and I don't know who Dinna is, but um, anyway, <laughs> it's not the Sander Lynch, that's for sure. Din- dinner doesn't need to make an order. Dinner
2: is the order. Yeah,
0: uh, dinner. I get it. I get. I get jokes.
2: I'll see myself out. <laughs> <Yep.
0: sighs> so no emails or uh, anything like that to read this week. I have been uploading episodes to YouTube. I'm hoping uh, – I've been doing – like, I've been working, and then just I, – I found this website that's, like, make a video out of one image, and it's just, like, I put in the image, put in the MP3 file, and it collates for a while, and then it spits out this file. And so I've just been using that over and over. I'll, like, take a break at work, put in those. My next break, I'll come back and download the file, and then I'll go and upload it to YouTube. So it's going very slow is what I'm saying. And there were some comments, like, Data said they were all going to come in, like, a big rush, but it's, like, one every few hours.
1: <laughs> and I'm
0: like, yeah, you know – but I think by next week I may have had the whole <laughs> the whole of the final empire posted at least on YouTube. Oh wow! <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, just uh, in case anyone was wondering, and you're getting alerts because you follow our YouTube channel, that's that's why it's all slow and stuff. But uh, Joe and I talked about uh, the best way to release like once we get up to date to release episodes. If we wanted to release them on YouTube the same time we do you know our show comes out or joe suggested maybe put it on podbean and then a week later release it on youtube haven't really decided on that sort of thing yet but I, i'm thinking about it so that's just uh, show uh, news for anybody out there who was wondering about these things so like i said four chapters <laughs> from next week and other than that was to the time of next everyone music by miracle of sound i beat you <laughs> being- <laughs> New song by Miracle (laughs) Sound.
1: As the towers of steel and stone crumble to dust, the foundations of our hope begin to rust. Choking fear, screaming sound, as a reaper comes to ground, you turn to face it down because you must.